When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Oh, hello, podcast listener. Don't want to interrupt your fine day. I know we have a big show, but we thought we'd Jump in real quick and tell you about how you can win Bonnaroo tickets with a camping pass, Barry Quarter. This is huge. This is, uh, man, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could when sign you, up. By the way, when you say that, I want to see your hands, by the way. I need the hands above the table. And you say this is huge. <laughs> <laughs> huge. Okay. Beyond uh, the screen. All right. So this is exciting. So you get, in the years past, we've basically just done, hey, saying something nice about us now we've taken the um it, we've gone next level with our vanity and we want you to make art with our faces that's right i need you to i need you to draw something about me uh, okay and if, and if brad and, and russ are in the in there as well that's great but mostly about wait, me wait a minute oh it's about barry <laughs> oh we yeah. didn't agree to that i i mean i think anything what podcast related if you could whip up something and, and whether it be by hand, whether it be uh, on Photoshop, whether, you know, it's a something you force your child to do, whatever <laughs> you need, whatever you can do to get these tickets in your hand. That's what we need from you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be fun. Make it that's fun. It. And how do we submit that, Russ? Send them to uh, comments at the what podcast dot com oh. or you can uh, tweet them to us. The what underscore podcast. I didn't even know that it was the thing. Comments at the whatpodcast.com. Yeah. Is okay. that never, is that never read got... any comment we've gotten? That... <laughs> <laughs> I have. Keep sending them. Is that where we got the uh the first drawing already? Uh first one came to us on Twitter. I have to say it's pretty strong. I love it's a... I love my hair. It looks very jaunty in the picture. Mm -hmm. so... It's a great first example of what we're looking for. <laughs> Maybe we can put it on here for people to see so they know what they have to beat. That's well, right. you leave it to Russ. He's got it going on. He's got the thing popped up. It's this. all good. That's our first submission. Do we know the names of this person? The name of this person, rather? Uh, Pon nope. P 
Ponto, wasn't it? Gary, got it. All right, there you go. <laughs> Be like Gary. Submit your fine piece of what podcast art for Bonnaroo tickets. We'll do the drawing. We'll give it four weeks. You think we can make this happen in four weeks or we want longer? Four I wouldn't weeks put a limit good. on it. Given Knowing how we operate, I wouldn't put a deadline on it. It's a good point. We'll, we'll, we'll pick so them when lost. we're ready. Okay? Yeah, how about that? Right, Val? <laughs> so pressuring me. On to the what podcast. A big show today. Let's do it. Consequence Podcast Network. A genre pool we so rarely dip our toe into. This week on the What Podcast, we talk to one of the biggest electronic artists in the world, Tyrone, from Rufus to Soul. New album, new song, new tour dates, where they started. How they got here, the highs and lows along the way. We dive into it all today on the What Podcast. It's Electronic Music Day, kids. With Tyrone from Rufus to Soul, Brad Steiner, Perry Corder, Lord Taco, the What Podcast starts right now. The What Podcast, which bands this year, That Matter, Barry Corder, Lord Taco, Brad Steiner. Uh, afternoon, guys. How are you? How are things? You look pretty, Barry. You look well. Everybody okay? Super. Hi. Doing great. Yeah? You're doing, doing great. great? Yeah, doing great. great. Okay. Yep. Everything's good. How are you? You know, I don't think I've ever heard you say, eh, I'm just okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm always good. Life yeah. is good. All right. Taco, how's the bus? The bus is good. Just like yeah. I'm, I'm what you got in that cabinet? What you got in that cabinet? Cabinet. Oh, you can reach into the cabinet. Oh, you got a PBR, PBR cabinet. Yeah, you got your own PBR <laughs> cabinet. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Take it back there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want the boss to see it. You don't want to see. <laughs> no, that's why PBR. I'm in. That's why I'm in the bus hiding out. So this is an exciting week uh, for us, Barry. I think that we have the biggest artist we've ever had on the show. That's right. Am I? Am I? Am I you think I'm overstating it? You think I'm bloviating? No, it? no, 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 no. Uh, mm. You know, if, if we're going by the poster, yeah, if, if we're, we're going by our own like poster, if we're making our what show podcast festival poster, they would probably be our headliner. Huh? This would be the headliner. Okay, their, their second line on some other other posters but on ours man it's top pretty cool uh, yeah so it's not really about any festival in particular although that uh they are playing boston calling and forecastle you know i i i'll talk about it afterwards um about their interaction with festivals in general because something about this conversation sort of struck me and i i don't think we've ever really uh, dove too far into it because we are we live in this world, you and I and Taco, where festivals really matter, and to some artists, they just don't. Yeah, <laughs> just you know. Don't. Well, you know, I was thinking about that because we do put a lot of emphasis, and and it's one of the questions that we've asked for five years. Which ones do you like the most? Mm -hmm. And 
for the most part, they see a bus, <laughs> they see a backstage, uh-huh. and they see a stage, uh-huh. and then a crowd. Uh, what's different? What is and then different? They, and then they see a check, and then and they see a check, and they see a bus, and then they go, then they see the road. Um, so yeah, and and you know, we've asked the question before: which one do you do you uh, approach this festival? differently than the other and of course the answer is no who's gonna say yeah we do this one better you know we put more energy into this one than that one nobody's gonna say that well we always because we personalize it we personalize it because we think it's a girlfriend you know which which girl do you like better pick one have to that's Uh, right but the other thing is and 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 we have heard people say bonner is different because sometimes they stay longer you know, they actually go to see other acts. They might stay a day or two, number one. But the other thing I was thinking about is the the stage and the show and, and the 90 minutes are pretty much, uh, they're similar. I don't want to say they're all the same, but they're similar. It's what happens away from that 90 minutes that makes one festival different than the other. Right. And, I see and they don't mean. always yeah. see that, yeah. you know. So, I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, to cut to the chase, our uh, guest today, Rufus DeSoul, uh, Tyrone from Rufus DeSoul. And believe me, it was all I could do to not sing Call Tyrone uh, <laughs> while he was talking to us. I wanted to so bad. Because uh, cool. how many times do you actually meet somebody named Tyrone? Not very often. I can't think I've ever met a Tyrone now that I think about it. I don't yeah. think I can find a Tyrone that I know in my life except for him. And I so badly wanted to sing, but I just couldn't do it. Couldn't bring myself to do it. It was great. It was really cool talking to him. Uh, so it's it's pretty much a standalone uh, episode today where, you know, we're not going to get into much festival talk. Uh, we spent a good 25, 30 minutes with Tyrone from Rufus the Soul. Talks about the new album. Talks about, uh, you know, what they've been doing the last two years. I, I love the conversation about his kid and how yeah. priorities have changed. And, um, you know, I feel like at least I take from it and I mention it. I hear a lot of mental health things happening in and around this conversation, not to mention it did feel as though it was on the brink of ending. Did you pick that up? Yeah. To be clear to your point, they, it's, it sounded like they fixed it. It They fixed it. Like they're in it now, but they were, they were headed towards, as he said, a shit storm. Yeah. And, uh, well, you'll they, you'll hear you'll hear it yeah. from him. So here we go. Rufus is soul on the What Podcast. Enjoy. Oh, hello there, friend. This is Brad Steiner. I'm Barry Corder. After you check out the latest episode of the What Podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Rootsland. It's an original story of two friends who take a musical and spiritual journey from the suburbs of Long Island to the streets of Kingston, Jamaica. Or Kyle Meredith with where you can find interviews with all of your favorite musicians and bands. Hosted by our guy, Kyle Meredith. New episodes air weekly on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. How you doing? Sorry for the delay. No, it's okay. Look, Glad you're here. 
You've got you've got sunny LA life to live. You're doing just fine. How are things? Great. Things are great. Yeah. I gotta imagine so. I mean, it's not like your um, I don't know. Your band seems to be doing just okay. <laughs> you know, we've had a good run. Um, I'm, I'm I'm stoked about it. We've been together for like 11 years, and it's been a really smooth. Uh, I mean, smooth. It's been a great, a great journey, and we're here, and um, yeah, I'm stoked. Well, I we'll talk about the the new album, the new song, of course, uh, here in a little bit. But I kind of wanted to, to start at Bonnaroo 2018 because I don't think that there was a um, a more talked about tent show afterwards than what you guys pulled pulled off in 2018. Do you have any memories of that? Why I. They all run together, don't they? At some they, point, they really do blend in at a certain point, and, <laughs> and especially like having not done many shows over the last three years. Like uh-huh. since I think like 2018, 19, basically shows just came to a halt for us, and we went into the studio and started writing music and made the most of not touring. And uh, I don't know, it, it's weird. I don't really remember being on tour. Like I don't remember wow. much before it. Like I, do, uh, I, you know, I do. I, I remember well, no, being it's, 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 on a hamster wheel, doing a lot of shows, and it sure, being but exciting. It's, and yeah, it's it's sort of like the case of the COVID brain, right? There's life pre-COVID and life post-COVID, and anything yeah. happened before it, I don't. Were we even alive? Did we do anything? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's changed so much for us, like in a real positive way. I mean, we you know we we we're hard workers. We work a lot. Probably workaholics. Like we, we spent a lot of time making music and uh, it just forced us to slow down a bit. And I don't know, it was a really nice reminder of uh, the fact that we're friends. Like we're three guys that are in the band and we're best friends. We love making music. And, it, you know, it was a good pause for us to kind of reset and rethink where we wanted to go. And I don't know, we changed the way we write too. Usually it's like in the past, it's been late nights throughout, you know, till the morning just following the creative train, hoping that a song kind of is born out of it. And this time around, we just, uh, we had more structure. We did more of like a nine to five, only it was uh, 11 to seven for us to skip the traffic. And- Still not waking up early, are you? Still not waking up early. <laughs> Oh well, I am. I'm a dad and I've got, I've got a little two and a half year old son. Oh, so wow. I'm up at five at the crack of, crack of dawn. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> This is what I kind of wanted to get at because uh, you said 11 years and you guys started in Australia and now you're in Los Angeles, right? And you're yeah. got a child. Uh, what was, what's that transition been like? I mean, I know I was reading a little bit, uh, especially about uh, the, the property where you recorded your first album, right? Sold, sold for a nice little uh, bit of change uh back in australia right because apparently they sold it as the place where rufus uh recorded <laughs> right that, that's kind of funny but what's it like going from that to where you are now uh as far as like a a, a band what's that transition been like over the years I mean, it's it's surreal i mean i think when we started out we had dreams and aspirations that were far smaller than they are now like you know at, in australia we grew up in sydney so it was like to play the local kind of live venues there. And then as you kind of grow, our goals and the goalposts shifted. And, 
it's been like a steady climb. And I don't know, I guess the biggest transition has been the last two, three years where we've, where I'm a dad now, I'm married and we, we as a band, like if we were to sustain the way we were going, like we had to change some things. This was just like so many shows and we were running ourselves into the ground and it was compromising the quality of the shows. And I don't know, it, you know, it, it was also just like pushing each of us as friends further apart. And so it's just been like a nice reset that wasn't easy. It wasn't like in the last three years haven't been easy. It's been difficult. And I feel like we're reaping the rewards just in terms of our friendship and the music making and, uh, and, and me just being a, a, a dad too. Like I, I didn't know, I wouldn't have known what I was missing out on. I would have been on the road being like, yeah, I'm a great dad. And, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have known any different. And realistically, I wouldn't have been in my son's life nearly as much. And it's been a big gift that I get to wake up next time and, you know, like hang out and and then go make music with, with my friends. Well, you, you said that it switched and changed a little bit of your priorities. You know, those shows did get really massive and you guys did that on purpose. And it gained you so much traction in, in the community. You got such a massive amount of, of fans throughout the last couple of years. And now it's a, a switch of the, I guess, a little refocus of the priorities. What does the next two years look like for you guys? I mean, it looks quite similar, really. Like we're still, we're back in the studio now. Uh, we got back in there to make more music a few weeks ago. And that's our plan, like to continue making music. It's what we love to do. Uh, yeah, but you, got, you, we'll said, you said there was a bunch this year, but, but, but you said there was different. You said there was a part of it where it was almost like tearing you guys apart. You don't want to get back there. So what do you do to sort of protect yourself from that kind of experience again? Sure, sure, sure. I guess it's the amount of touring. We'd go on the road for three months at a time and then come home. Uh, now it would look like touring for four weeks and then coming back for a week and then touring for four weeks and coming back for a week. And maybe it's a, a it's uh, portioned out a little more, like spaced out. So you might do like five tours in a year, like across the country, like across the, the globe. And there's just more space between where we can kind of reset our clock, reconnect, get in the studio. Because it's also like, you know, when we're on the road uh, at three months at a time, there's no new music being written. Like, mm. so that the muscle, I see it as a muscle being in the studio where you're, you know, you're being creative. The longer that you're in the studio, the better you get, the sharper your tools get. And maybe you, you know, fall on, the easy quick fixes or quick ideas but for the most part you you're really like trained like a i don't know like a someone in sports that's really sharp at their their skill in the studio and it just feels nicer and healthier for us to be able to not leave either the live uh arena for too long or the the writing arena for too long just because mm. Yeah, even not like having a year and a half off touring, coming back and playing our first show at Red Rocks like this year, was it this year or last year? It was like quite daunting, really. It was exciting, but we're like, are we going to know what we get, what we do? <laughs> like, do we know how to do this thing? And the- it, yeah, 
It's like riding a bike. You don't forget. But you, you said it started about three years ago where you sort of realized uh, you needed to do something. Was there an event or was it, did you, you know, was there one night where you kind of blew up at each other or could you see it coming and then COVID hit and it gave you the chance to, to fall back and rethink? It was kind of a shitstorm, a shitstorm that was growing. It was kind of all directions and all, all things were coming to a head where, you know, things were really exciting for us. A lot of uh, exciting things were happening, like, you know, playing a bunch of festivals in front of a lot of crowds, like big crowds. And, you know, I think just you inherently as an artist put pressure on yourself to create new things and make new music. And we weren't really getting that time. And when you're touring so much, you're like, your personal lives kind of push to the side a bit. Uh, so in terms of becoming a new parent, for me, that was really difficult. Um, and I know for the guys too, it was really hard. So it was, a, it, it was a, an accumulation of a lot of things. And then mm-hmm. just having been in a band for 10 years, or I guess eight years, nine years at the time, um, you, you, I think you just undergo change in that time period. Like we were t- early 20s when we were, when we got together and, now we've entered our 30s and i don't know i think you just change and evolve and priorities change and shift and it just well, gave us a time to kind of uh talk to each other and reset the clock and yeah. come at writing from a different perspective and i don't know i just feel like great things come out of doing that as well, opposed think- to if we just steamrolled ahead and I, I don't think we'd be here right now. Well, I mean, it's yeah. it sort of it sort of feels like you know you're the way that you're describing it is that you found not just the way that this operation works best for you, but also uh, maybe even channeled if funneled its way into your songwriting. You know, the way that you know, I kind of describe it as emo EDM. You know, you guys <laughs> are so vulnerable. You actually put so much you know actual you know work into the songwriting part of it, which is the part that I find to be a little bit more refreshing. And it does feel as though that this album is a little bit more focused on that, right? Am I reading that? Yeah, wrong? sure. No, no, that that's fair. I mean all of them we throw ourselves as much into all of them and they like kind they're kinda of like a timestamp, not like a diary entry. It's like an unintentional timestamp of where we're at at that moment in time when we make a record. And, I, you know, some people, bands might, you know, write the songs, go in there and record in a studio over the course of like a month or two. We're in the studio writing on our synths and our drums and like at an unlimited amount of tools kind of at our disposal to write and create. But we're in there over the course of like a year, a year and a half. And that's like full time just going into the studio. So it's a lot of time that we're spending on fishing. (laughs) It's like you go in there and you can write a bunch of ideas and they could all be crap. But occasionally you just like stumble on a really real raw song that uh, reflects where we're at. And it is vulnerable. And it usually is. I feel like when we're at our best is when we're like, you know, we tap into something that's vulnerable, but also hopeful. And it feels, I don't know, it feels good. A lot of my favorite Uh bands like Radiohead, um, they do that. It's like Uh this uh, hopeful disease, discomfort, euphoria. 
but it's like just treads a line that yeah. I, I just think is really exciting. Yeah. Given given all that, how much did it change over if you had that much time? Did the final sound sound like what it did when you started, or did what you what you were doing when it started completely go away, or did you keep some of that? You know what I mean? Uh, we had a lot of creative freedom going in because we didn't have a deadline. Like touring was wiped off. So it wasn't like we had, oh, we've got two weeks to write a song. Right. It was kind of like, all right, we went to Joshua, Joshua Tree. We uh, were in this ranch type thing, which is a studio. Um, it's called Escape Studios and it was awesome. Like it's in the middle of nowhere and it was just us. And we, you know, would start the day with meditation uh to exercise get in a cold plunge and then by midday we'd get in there and and write music and it was just a really cool way to do it and we were trying different beats for ourselves uh and different tempos and different instruments i guess more like classical songwriting where we're just trying to write songs without producing them or seeing them all the way to the finish line and then you kind of like end up with little gems and then you over the course of the next six months, year, you're trying to crack the code on them and finish them. Mm. And we, we, we always go into an album without a clear intention of what it's going to end up like. It's more like what's inspiring us at the time. What are you guys listening to? We share a bunch of music. We listen through the, you know, albums that have inspired us across our years. Like we'd listen to an album while we did exercise every every day uh, over the course of that two months. And, uh, you know, that bleeds into the record being in Joshua Tree where it's like, uh, it essentially feels like you're on the moon. You, like it's just like rock outcrops. You like sound, that all influences things. Yeah, you, know, you, you sound so mentally centered. Is this a reflection of, of the work that you've done or do you guys, were you guys all this, always sort of this, you know, Buddhist? <laughs> <laughs> mentally yeah no no we weren't we weren't always like that you know like we were we were young and silly and we've always cared about our live shows we've always cared about making the music but you know we had a lot of fun across the years like Mm -hmm. you know before we walked out on stage uh five six years ago we were having a whiskey shot you know before walking out i did one just now (laughs) how good (laughs) um and now we do ginger shots before we walk out. It's just like, you know, it's, it's where we're at now. And I hear you. Yeah. I mean, it, it is definitely more built for the long haul. So this, this sound, um, uh, you know, you're not talking to somebody who knows what he's talking about when it comes to this. No, so, so bear with me for a second. Um, but when you were a kid and you were playing around and saying to yourself, I want to make a band, I want to, I want to do this. Uh, how did you, stumble upon making electronic music how did you make uh, how did you find that world instead of how a kid would normally just pick up a guitar and and, and start writing songs like that well honestly that's where i started was with the guitar I, I started on piano when i was like five um and then kind of moved into playing in bands when i was 12 um and i always just wrote music kind of from 14 i used any software I could get my hands on and just recorded more alternative kind of, uh, I guess like acoustic, just songs really. Yeah. And it was just fun for me. And 
the three the three of us produce and write the songs and we all have a different story as to how we ended up like you know making the songs we make sure. but for me uh th- that was it and i met one of the john one of the other guys and he was making more club music i guess and we kind of met in the middle and we were like oh you you guys you like book a shade and there was a few acts that we bonded over and chemical brothers oh cool yeah we like i like i like that and then we just started making some songs and uh you know we would share our production uh tools with each other and there was a healthy push and pull and there has been between all three of us in terms of uh where we want to take a song and that you know for me i'm probably more influenced uh, originally by rock or mm. you know and john probably more so like club songs he has mm-hmm. an appreciation for pop and everything and james he's kind of he loves he loves all music he's polka he's, uh, it's polka yeah. isn't it? i know it he's the glue he's the glue he's like he's just a yeah He's the yellow seven. I feel like they're like in everything. (laughs) You need like a yellow seven that brings all the compounds together. Um, So there there is a a big difference, I guess, in in your, maybe there's not when it comes to like the live show versus the recorded product. I've always wondered this. and, And again, you're talking to an idiot. So I apologize up front. But when you're on stage and I know that you're doing, you know, mostly, you know, vocals and, and keyboards and stuff. But when I'm watching an electronic artist on stage. How much freedom is actually happening in that space? Is it, uh, some of it's premixed, I understand, but what in it is controllable and maneuvered and worked out on stage in the moment between the two, or three of you rather? Well, it depends on the act, but for us in particular, like, we like to build out our sets and lock it in pretty solidly in terms of, you know, we see the lights in our show as an important tool and asset. It's kind of like the fourth member of the band. Um, but we don't want it to just be a lighting show when we play. So we like the interaction of it being a band that can jam out and kind of stay on a loop for however long we want and we can improvise. And there are moments where there are drum solos and uh, it, it's kind of, it's evolved as well. We, when we started, we had less freedom to be able to jam on stage. And Why is now that? we've built Why is that? that in. But what, what, because I, for your own comfort? No, no, not so much. Well, I mean, set times, you only really get 25 minutes, 30 minutes <laughs> at the start of your career. Sure, like, sure. It's like, go play three songs and, yeah. and come off. Yeah. Um, so you're basically just playing them verbatim. But now, I don't know, we've just got more tools in terms of equipment, uh, more know-how in terms of how to go about things, how to go on a loop and stay there and how that is all synced together in terms of our lights in front of house. Like the team that is, you know, in the, from the audience's perspective, how is it staying in time? Like, uh, yeah, that's a bit of like a, 
it's a challenge to know is, how to do that. I'm definitely not very tech savvy to be able to go, oh, this is how you do it. Sure. Like it's been a learning process and there are many but, ways to go about it. But it seems to me like if it's not coming in with like a pre-mix and you guys are just sort of like putting your vocals and some effects around it, it does feel as though sort of like a high wire act that you're pulling off if you're, you're doing loops on the fly and you guys are all just sort of, you know, seeing where the moment takes you. Is that right? I mean, we're not like a jam band, so it's sure, not like I know. seeing that. No, like, I know, I know. Uh, right. old, but, but yeah, uh, it's more like, I guess we build it in. So it's not like, hey, are you guys feeling a, a jam right now? It's kind of like we've allocated ourselves times and moments in the set where it's like, here's the part where we're going to go on like a one minute, like, and it's not necessarily a minute, but however long, sure. we've preset how long it's going to be where it's like we can jam out and we can yeah. loop something we can and there's freedom for us to do what we want i was gonna ask but, how much how much of that comes from trust from having done it with each other for so long yeah a lot of it and it's yeah. like it, it a lot of it is trust and it's like a language i i guess right after doing it for so long with each other it's like we don't really need to say okay i'm gonna take this little moment here or yeah it's a it's more fluid and you know we get time to rehearse and so it's not as like yeah i i would just say we're not a jam band we're an electronic act we make alternative electronic music and but we know how to play our instruments and we know how to jam so the reason i the reason i bring that up is because i adore the xx i love them and I think that, you know, they're one of my favorite, you know, bands on the planet. But that live show is um, almost like Jamie has hit play and it's over when the track is done. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. And I, sometimes I'm just watching Jamie just stand back there. I'm like, all right, I got, don't really have much to do back here. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly what I mean by like, it depends on the act. Like there are so many uh, acts that, have different setups in terms of it, there's so many ways to go about it. And a really important thing for us was having live drums. We knew that that's, that was, you asked it before. You're like, how did you get into electronic music? Uh-huh. That is how I saw acts from Australia, like cut copy. And I, love cut copy. I love yeah, cut copy. Yeah. Great. And it's just like, they, they had, they were doing, it sounded like a band, but it was electronic music. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, maybe I, Maybe I like electronic music. This yeah. is just like rock, but in yeah, uh, and and it kind of opened the gateway of me being a little more open minded to me. electronic music. Believe me, nothing has screwed up old white guy more than <laughs> seeing a hip hop band with a band. <laughs> Watching a rapper <laughs> perform with a band, you know, he's sitting there wanting to hate. They don't even play their own instruments. Oh wait, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're playing yeah. instruments. So yeah, they're, they're, they're. <laughs> I, I want to go back, if I can, real quick to the, to the album because I'm I'm interested. I'm fascinated by this idea of you not having a deadline and you having all that time because we've talked about this on here many many times with Act. This whole process of writing, you've got some bands that love that deadline. They love the pressure. You know, they can turn around and make it happen and do it in two or three weeks. Whereas if you have unlimited time, it, it seems to me like it'd be easy to just get lost. You know, mm-hmm. yesterday was done and over. Now I want to do something new or what I'm feeling this week is completely different than last week or two, three months ago. How, 
how do you keep mm. that focus and it's definitely know, a cha- it's it's a challenge like I, I that is what we experience like we're kind of like we feel a certain way about a song and you know we're excited by certain things today and then in six months time that changes and the production can change on the song and your perspective on the song that you wrote six months ago mm-hmm. can change. And, and some stand the test of time and some don't. And we've got a vault of uh, skeleton songs that haven't stood the test of time and, you know, that we haven't put out. So it's kind of been a gift in a way that it takes us so long to write music because most of the songs that end up on an album we've been sitting with them for like six mm. plus months that's and a different, that's we a different still perspective. like yeah. and, and love them. So it's like you have, yeah, it feels good to let go of it and let it into the world and you know where you sit with it. And sure, maybe in five years time, I'd be like, Oh, I don't like that song. But I mean, yeah. it's, we've given it a chance and we've given it time but there is a process of losing yourself in the mud and there's, yeah, it, you, you can easily get lost. And I, for us, I actually, what was helpful is taking a break. Like we'd take a two-week walk break. Away. Walk away, weeks. put it, yeah, come back, yeah. Put it, walk away, put it, come back to you it. You know, yeah. it's, it's such a simple concept, Barry, but I haven't really thought about it that way. If I was, if I did this for a living and I was a songwriter, I'm so impetuous, I would, I would walk into a studio just in a bad mood one day and be like, all right, I'm writing a song about being in a bad mood. And then two days later, I'm like, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Then. Yeah, like, what was, why I, was, I, what was, what was I so mad? upset about? And I'm just sitting here thinking if you've got a, a, you know, a toddler, man, they change from week to week to week. So, you know, you're talking about me again, aren't you, Barry? Yeah, you're talking well, about exactly me. Right. So I know what you're going through. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that cha- I mean, you know, a, a, a two week old is completely different human being than a two month old or a one year old. So your whole world's changing. So that's why it's so fascinating to me. Sure. That, thanks. That is it is really fascinating. We actually got uh, Ziggy, my son, like there's a little recording that I got of him before he could say any words. And I just found his voice so cute. I'm sure every parent does when their kids kind of baba gooking. But <laughs> Uh, like I recorded it on, on my phone and uh, we, we managed to squeeze him into one of the songs on our album uh, called Make It Happen. He's just at the end of the song and it just makes me happy. Like the little, little trinkets and what do you call it, uh, Easter eggs that are in the album. You know, they, they kind of come out of making an album for a year and a half. Yeah. That's really yeah. great. If That's we made cool. an album, Barry, we would just have random sound effects of Bertaco opening a PBR. You know, just <laughs> randomly for no reason. Yeah, there, there it is. I know. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> drinking beer. All right. So this is something we do on occasion. Uh, first off, thank you so much for spending so much time with us and, and you know, dealing with, um, you know, at least in one particular person, mine, not knowing what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, but what I, I want to play a little game that we usually do with with uh, some people, predictive text. What podcast predicted predictive text? So basically, I put in to Google, does Rufus de Soul, and I let the Google predictive text finish the sentence for me, right? So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions from the Google predictive text, okay? Go so ahead. does Rufus de Soul song? 
Yes. Yes, yes we do. Good. Okay. <laughs> hard, man. They song yeah, hard. hard. They song hard. <laughs> Is Rufus DeSole EDM? Well, I I, I don't like I don't like uh, the word EDM. We're electronic that. music, and mm. it is dance music. So, okay. What does yeah. Rufus the Soul mean in English? That that's what it means. <laughs> I was going to say that's what it means in English. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, these are absurd things here. I like this one. Is Rufus the Soul pregnant? <laughs> there was a time period where uh we were just rufus and yeah. a lot of people thought it was just one guy but what's a curveball with that is that rufus do soul i'm like a female like it's definitely not a guy if they're pregnant and uh-huh. <laughs> and then finally the uh the thing about uh i think that you're so endearing to the the bonnaroo audience is because rufus is the what do they call those things? That's that's like the the mascot oh, yeah. of Bonnaroo is yeah, Rufus. The, uh, yeah, the, the uh, but it's spelled R O O F U S. It's three circles of the smiley face. So uh, you know <laughs> you you sort of like have an automatic in with the Bonnarooians. That's so good. Yeah, nice. yeah, great. the figure, the animated yeah. figure, Rufus. It was nice. the long play. We knew it. Yeah. yeah, you know it the whole time. I'm sorry, there, there, there is one other thing that, and, and probably not in your department, and you probably don't know anything about it because, you know, I'm sure you don't spend much time, you know, worrying about booking. But, you know, you had, yeah, the 2018 Bonnaroo, you did Coachella two years in a row. Then you were going to come back for the second version of Bonnaroo when it got rescheduled to Labor Day. Uh, that fell apart. This year, this tour that you're embarking on is has two festivals on it, Boston Calling and Forecastle. Was there any sort of conversation about why those two festivals and not a Bonnaroo again or a Coachella again? And if you weren't part uh, of it, then, then don't worry about it. I just, I thought that it was a, it was an interesting set of tour dates I saw. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the conversation, but I know that we've had it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I guess like you're booking shows like a year out. So those conversations were like six months ago. Um, but I don't know why it made okay. sense at the time. Sure. Um, Fine by me. Yeah. They're good in ones. terms of like, you know, playing the same festival again and again, it's like, of course, like you have your favorite festivals and your personal love for festivals, but, it, there are different crowds and different people and it's a real opportunity for us to get into in front of new ears to play a new festival or a different festival as opposed to, you know, I, I feel like most festivals have their loyal fans and, mm-hmm. you know, you play one, hopefully. I just think alternating between festivals is healthy for it's- us as a band and I but, you know, it, we obviously have our favorites. <laughs> for, for somebody who's actually done this overseas and in America, can you tell a, a market difference between the uh, European festivals and the festivals overseas than American festivals? What is the difference for you? Uh, we haven't done so much in Europe. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff over there, but mm-hmm. we haven't played many festivals over there. Um, in Australia, I can speak in terms of Australia. They're quite similar, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that, Australia's a lot smaller of a market, not in terms of landmass, but in terms of population. 
Who's your yeah. favorite Australian artist? Australian artist? Uh-huh. Tame Impala. Ah, okay. I was hoping you'd say Courtney Barnett. It's amazing how many Australian artists have exploded uh, yeah. over the last 10 years, right? Whereas before, yeah. there weren't, I mean, it just was not a f- uh, fertile ground of, of art uh, bands coming out of Australia. And then out of nowhere, it feels like every time I turn around, there's another Australian band making, you know, some sort of noise. Well, that's true. Courtney Barnett is, is really amazing. She's such a good storyteller. And yeah. there, there is just so many great acts that are coming out of Australia. I, I don't know. There's a nationwide radio station in Australia called Triple J. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like an alternative radio station mm-hmm. that you can hear, you know, hip hop to heavy metal to something more poppy uh, to indie rock and roll. Yeah. And it's just like the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I'd say for the most part, that's what, if you're growing up, that's what you're listening to as a kid. And so I think a lot of the, uh, a lot, a large portion of Australians are growing up listening to a wide variety of music. And I don't know what that does for a brain or like your taste in music or how that affects your influence in terms of what you want to write. But I think that has something to do with it. Oh yeah. If I was to guess. Oh yeah. Is it the kind of, did it help foster an environment where you felt like you could come from Australia and make it? You know what I mean? Sure. It, that's a huge part of things. I think we weren't even looking outside of Australia though. Okay. I think that it was like the opportunity that you could have your song on triple J okay. like in Australia. It's like, Oh my God, if we get a song on there, then the whole country can potentially hear your song. And that means you could tour to, you know, the six biggest cities and you potentially play these festivals that you know about. It's a, it's so small over there like that it's, it's it's doable. Like it's like you can do it. And yeah, that's what I mean. That's good. Yeah. See, ba- see Barry, radio still matters. Damn it, radio still matters. <laughs> Maybe Australia. not here, but it matters In there. It matters somewhere. <laughs> Man, Tyrone, thank you so much for the time. I uh, I'm so excited to see you guys. Um, you know, and it's been wonderful to watch you guys explode over the last couple of years. I think the new single's terrific, and the new album's so much fun to listen to. I can't wait to see it live. Man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And yeah, yeah it's, it's great to chat. I enjoy Thanks LA. Your time. See you soon. Yeah, uh, there you go. Rufus is old Tyrone. You better call Tyrone. Uh, on the what podcast i uh, really the thing about him is that what just a sweetheart and i feel as though if if, you know i didn't constantly interrupt he would have just talked forever yeah 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 he was a one he's a one question interview (laughs) how are you yeah barry loves those barry loves those those are great barry's barry's go-to move on something like that if you ever notice i pull the curtain back his go-to move is uh well, with the new album, did you accomplish everything you wanted? That's, and then just let no the question. person go for 45 minutes and, all right, got my story. Well, See you it's, later. It's actually a two-parter. What did you hope to accomplish uh-huh. and did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pro tip right Look, there now. You're giving journalism my Journalism 101, away. kids. You're getting, uh, you're getting a master class here from Barry You're Gordon. giving my secrets away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Works by the every way, time. But by the way, if... 
if you ever hear Barry say that, either he knows exactly where he's going with it or he has nothing. <laughs> Again, you're giving all my good stuff away. <laughs> uh, I really liked it, though. I mean, yeah, mainly because, look, I, I don't I'm not going to pretend I know much about electronic music. I just it's not something I ever really engaged with. But I do find Rufus is so interesting because, you know, they're one of the few ones that that operates it like a band um and the way that he described it although i'm sure it was mind-numbing for him to explain it to some sort of idiot like me but it really helps me sort of understand you know and the gist i was getting to barry was dumb guys like me think that you walk up there with a laptop and you hit play right no they're actually playing they remind me and i always you know i always hesitate to compare it reminds me a lot of uh, early Alan Parsons project stuff, which I love. Um, so yeah, I liked it. I like it a lot. Yeah. He's it, a, was, it, it was interesting to hear him talk about process. I'm really fascinated by that whole having a year and a half to create an album. That just seems to me like it would brain lock somebody. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you can give me a year and a half. I'm still going to wait to the last two weeks. And the song that I come up <laughs> exactly. with is going to be, Word, 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 wordy, wordy, yeah. word, 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 word. Exactly. Song. Exactly. Done. Yeah. And the thing we did in that year and a half ago, ah, I'm over it. I'm I don't done. even remember what I did two weeks exactly. ago. I know, That's right? less a year that and was, a half ago. That was interesting. So did you find it interesting that, um, and this is not a shot, but he really doesn't know one festival from the other. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A bus, a road, uh-huh. a stage, a bus, a road, a stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's really nothing wrong with that, especially no, if the show is good. But, you know, it makes me wonder if that's how McCartney is most days. You know, he's like, where in the hell am I? Knoxville? All right, I guess I'll, who cares? Well, guys like guys like that are, are very uh, intentional now about what they do from what I've heard. They, they do the shows they want. They've done it enough. They know how to travel. Uh, but you did hear him say as you're talking about the mental health thing before it was road, 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 road. And now mm-hmm. they're very, uh, again, intentional about whatever, you know, instead of three months, maybe four weeks and then come off. So, well, the other thing too, is that I, I found to be refreshing is, and this is not, again, not a knock on the people that we've talked to before, but we have talked to plenty of artists where it feels like they are in control of everything. Hmm. Almost to like a almost almost to a problematic place where sure. you can't get a show past them. They know every person that's in part of the operation. Sure. They've got their hands in everything. Uh, he feels it sounds to me like the way that he operates. Like, oh, you guys just do that. I'll uh, go be writing songs here. Yeah, well, a two year old will do that to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, in, in part, that's a good point. <laughs> I'd rather be home. Yeah, it it changes things. I mean, no question. It was fun to hear him talk about that. I uh, <clears throat> The other thing that I found interesting was how, without saying it, you know, I think that there are plenty of bands that spend a lot of time uh, going overboard with the mental health thing, although it is very important and it should be something that's celebrated. You know, it, it's almost become, to me, it's like, oh, I know, I get it. It's important. They're doing it in a very interesting way. It's not preachy. And it's not telling you that mental health is important. It's saying, no, 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 this was on us. We got our stuff figured out and we we fixed whatever issues yeah. that were going on. And, you know. Yeah, a so, shot of whiskey versus a shot of ginger. 
I mean, it's like it's like you said, they've they were heading towards something bad, and uh, so we got to fix it, and uh, they've done it. So, you know, everybody's different, but it's good for them for. And I, I meant to ask him, you know, how who led that sort of change? Did they all three come together, or was outside sources says you guys need to fix this, or all of that, or? Or whatever, but uh, well, yeah, you 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 then you lead on to a good point because it's it takes all three to be a part of something like that. It can't just be like one person saying, "You gotta." What the the wife always says is like, "You gotta." The person's gotta find yoga. You can't like force them into it, correct. right? So, uh, and it's almost like therapy. You can't force somebody to go to therapy. They gotta find it on their own time. And it's weird that they all sort of seem to find it at the same time. Yeah, it'd be um, like it'd be like you and me saying, "Taco, no more PBR. You, you need to do a shot of ginger." We're, well, we, we've decided we're going to do ginger shots instead. I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging up. Well, I'm glad we brought. I'm glad you brought that up because Taco, we've been meaning to talk to you about a few things. Oh, oh no, it's good. I drink High Life now. Now we're, <laughs> you have changed. I have changed. <laughs> I've given up. I've given up, kids. I've given it up. I'm moving on. <laughs> dad is back all right well uh no, i really you, you make a great point it takes all three of them it, it would have taken all three of them so i uh i really appreciate that and there's he gave us way too much time and i really do think that the the song the other thing too i guess that's what i i, I tried to dance around without i'm just not smart enough to come out and just find a clever way of asking it but you have this massive following they sold 50,000 tickets for an L.A. show. They had to add two more dates, to. They've got a billion streams. Awesome. They're a massive, massive operation. And they've done it all, you know, completely, you know, underground. You know, underground meaning with no real radio support. Yeah. No, yeah, You're real... not playing them, are you? Well, we just started. Yeah. Oh, I mean, nice. we, their, their new single is actually really, really good. But, you know, they did it all just sort of. You yeah. know, the 2020 version of doing this, you know, streaming and, um, you know, I, I find it to be an incredible story. You know, it panics me a little bit because they don't they don't need us. <laughs> they, they don't need us. <laughs> they got to take care of themselves. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. it's pretty cool. Very I, cool. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Anything else before we go? Nope. Okay. All right. Well. I got nothing. Oh, do we figure out? Do we figure out what we're going to do with the tickets? Yeah, we talked about it on the last episode, Barry. Know, but we were talking about what, how we were going to do it, and and we already have, you know, we already have a leader in the clubhouse. We have we, our uh, first entry. And our first really entry in the, the draw. High. I know, but, yeah. but guys, <laughs> that happened two weeks ago. Remember? Okay. I yeah, I don't okay. know if you guys remember, but that happened so long ago. Never mind. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> See ya.
Consequence Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.